Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. podcast. Today's episode features Merv Smith. It's wonderful to be in the presence of Jehovah, the living God, not some idol or some theory, but the living God who made everything. Praise God. We thank God for his presence. At these meetings, it's always been a, a, uh, a time of refreshing and a time of uh, good fellowship. I think that is very important, the fellowship that we enjoy when we come together like this. And uh, I thank God that we're able to do that. And uh, we're able to enjoy visiting and having fellowship with one another around the good things of God. Uh, I was uh, thinking this morning as I was pondering what I was going to minister the, uh, about the love of God. And uh, I thought of that little chorus we used to sing in Sunday school. Wide, wide is the ocean, deep, deep as the sea, high, high as the heavens above, his love for me. I, though so unworthy, yet I'm a child of his care. And his word teaches me that his love reaches me everywhere. Remember that? How many remember that chorus? Yeah, good. <laughs> I could have probably stood up here and just moved my mouth before I refreshed my memory and I got away with it. <laughs> God's love is uh, becoming more precious to us and uh, more of a reality. Uh, I think uh, we are approaching that time when reality will break through. And we're beginning to be able to comprehend. It's okay to give mental consent to, uh, uh, to the truths that we know that belong to the gospel. That's the first step to receiving truth. The reality has to break through. And we have to realize that this isn't a theory that is being promoted for something new. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but everlasting life. The love of God is uh, a wonderful subject. 
I, um, I can see it's one of those things that is absolutely inexhaustible. The, uh, the love of God is not an emotion. It affects your emotions. You can't help it. Even love for your loved one. It affects your emotions a lot. And it's a nice emotion when you first fall in love. And, uh, but the love of God, it cannot be measured. It goes deeper than the emotion. It, it actually involves your spirit and your soul and your mind and your whole body. Because it, if we want to receive more of his love and we want to be able to experience more and be able to transmit God's love to others, uh, it takes a little deeper walk. And uh, as I was reading the, the uh, wonderful chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, how the gifts of the Spirit work, I thought, you know, the reality of this, isn't that something? And uh, then you read the history of the early church and you hear, or, and you see and read, and, and we hear stories being told and so forth about the things that took place. And we read about those things in the scripture. What Jesus did. Uh, D.L. Moody was uh, asked to preside at a funeral and uh, he thought, I've never preached at a funeral before. What do you talk about at a funeral? So he said, I'll see what Jesus did. <laughs> he couldn't find a, a funeral sermon in the Bible. No. Even when they just happened to be going by where he was, this young man had died. And his mother, who was a widow, was following the beer as it was being carried. And I guess he couldn't resist. And he commanded that young man to sit up and go home. <laughs> Hallelujah. I look to see that kind of reality in the church. I was reading about the uh, lady that was in the crowd when Jesus was on his way somewhere and there's always a, quite an entourage following him. I would guess there'd be several hundred people uh, that day. And she had a chronic thing, an issue of blood. She spent all her money trying to find a cure and the physicians and whatever professionals they had in the, in the health business those days, they just couldn't seem to get to the bottom of it. And uh, she thought, if I can just get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, I'll get victory. So she just persevered. Wherever there was a little chance, she got in and got closer and closer. And finally... She reached down 
and touched the hem of his garment. I don't think she pulled on it so he'd notice. But immediately he stopped. And he said, who touched my clothes? Some translation um, put it a little different way. But the thing that really stuck with me, his sensitivity to the people all around him was so sensitive if you touched in faith, he knew it right there. And she was made whole. And uh, she was afraid because she uh, would may have, it may have been counted as a, a rude thing to do. But uh, Jesus commended her. And uh, I thought, oh my, how wonderful it is when the reality breaks through. And I believe that, that we should expect more of the reality of the things that we know to become part of our life and become part of our worship, part of our walk with God. I, uh, I was reading these wonderful things, and I'm going to read a fair amount of scripture here. And uh, Romans, the 12th chapter, also is another chapter that... Uh, speaks of the body of Christ and uh, names the different ministries that we have in the body of Christ. And uh, But he does begin with uh, beseeching us uh, to, uh, after recounting many of the things, uh, the truths that he just finished writing about, and then he said, I beseech you therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies the living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's not unreasonable that God asks us to dedicate ourselves and our future and all that we have to him. It belongs to him and we, we manage it because he'll guide us in the way that we can... Uh, Walk and 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 to whom we can minister, and uh, I uh, I thank God for these wonderful ministries in the body, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Perfect will of God. God's will is perfect. And, uh, uh, you know, the, it seems like maybe there's different levels of the, of the will of God. Maybe there is. I don't know. Uh, but His will for you and for me is perfect. And if we walk close to Him, we'll be in that perfect place. Though it may not seem so many times. And the way may be difficult and hard to understand. Uh, but uh, his will is perfect, and the result will be perfect. And uh, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way your mindset is has a lot to do with your spiritual growth. It sure has with mine. 
if your mind is set on the things of God, you'll live in perfect peace. And uh, uh, we're exhorted here that uh, if we we'll commit our minds unto him and have it stayed on him, uh, we'll experience the transformation of the power of his mind being uh, formed within us. Uh, for I say through the grace given to me, uh, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God hath dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Isn't that wonderful? God, the way God has designed the body, uh, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, the spiritual presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord, on the earth, resides in his body, in the members of his body. I don't know how God does it because he's an eternal and an and, uh, omnipresent person. Uh, but he can dwell in every person's body at the same time and every place. I asked one of the astronauts, I said, I had the privilege of, Lydia and I had the privilege of having dinner uh, with him at his speech he gave. Uh, Jim Irwin, he's, he's gone to his reward now. I said, how did you feel when you left the earth? The earth is cursed. Uh, God cursed the ground. And he said to Adam that, uh, that from henceforth, you're going to have to earn your bread by the sweat of your face. And we got to go to work every day. Uh, eight hours, uh, ten hours, and so on. And... Uh, the, the, the closer you get to the ownership of what you work at, the longer the hours are. I used to bring up a roll of plans home, and, and I wouldn't even start looking at them till 10 o'clock, till everybody else was finished what they were doing. And uh, I'd finally get through maybe 12, 1 o'clock. But I got it done. Uh, but uh, we, we, we busy ourselves in these things uh, so that... Uh, and I, I said to him, I said, you know, did you feel any different? Because of that curse here on earth, I wonder if it's the same on the moon. <laughs> and he said, I'm glad, glad you asked that. Because we had problems. And I asked God to help us. And uh, he was a Christian, but not a really serious Christian, as he tells in his book. And uh, and he said, God, the answer came just like that. And he explained some of the things that they, they had trouble with and so on. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was interested to hear that. <laughs> uh, because here, it, it may be more difficult to communicate with God because of everything else that's going on. But there is a place of peace that we can be in the midst of all the turmoil and the trouble and confusion and good and evil and everything that goes on in the world. I've often wondered sometimes 
uh, all these radio waves, there's probably a million radio waves passing through your head and this, and this building from somewhere in space. And uh, uh, passing out, I've often wondered if that isn't what's driving people crazy. <laughs> all this, uh, these uh, vibrations going, uh, going on. Uh, but we're living in a very interesting time. And all these things, God can overrule and bring us through the way he wants it to be. Uh, it's not out of control. The world belongs to God. And we do what he guides us to do to help people find peace with God because he wants us to be part of his labor force, so to speak. Part of what forms the church. He paid a great price for the church. The church is the most valuable possession God owns. I can say that with emphasis. Because he paid the highest price he could possibly pay to purchase the church, which is his body. It's like that pearl of great price that Jesus spoke of. And the merchant was looking everywhere for this certain pearl. He, he must have heard that there were, there were pearls this size and how, I don't know how big it was, but it must have been a good size. And he found it. But he didn't have enough money. So he sold everything he had. He put everything he had on the line. God's business is risky. He took that risk by giving man the power of choice. And, and he, he, he knew that many things could go wrong. And he sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to come and not sit on a throne uh, there in Jerusalem, as uh, many still think uh, that's where he'll be when he comes. He's coming. He's coming again. No question about it. But he's coming to share his kingdom with the body that he is preparing in the world today. And the reality of these things should... It's good to read these things over and over and over again. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, uh, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And we have to learn how to be led by the Spirit to give and to do our portion in the meeting and to prophesy when the Spirit of God puts that in your mind. And, uh, and, and that's, a, that's a wonderful gift, how it can uplift a meeting. And uh, uh, that, that's, that's here in the body, and we've seen it in, uh, in, wonderful, in a wonderful way in many times. Uh, lift us and, um, and inspire the whole congregation. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering 
He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives uh, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, you know, uh, this is something that we need to look at and not neglect. The ministry of showing mercy and cheerfulness. Uh, many times we, we have a lot of shut-ins in our congregation. Well, I think there are a lot. <laughs> a half a dozen is quite a few. And they don't get visited as much as I think they should. And every time I've gone to see them, they're so appreciative of the visit. Uh, sometimes you're not ministering just to one person. You're ministering to their loved ones at home as well. And Sister Pearson, uh, uh, she and her husband were uh, deacons in, in the church years ago, and she's in a home, and she's up in her 90s now, and uh, but she's still pretty plucky <laughs> and uh, enjoys a visit. And sometimes I don't even get home. And Irma, her sister, is on the phone phoning and thanking us for going to visit her sister. And I, I thought that was, that, that's so wonderful. It means so much. Don't forget your shut-ins. Those that aren't able to get out in the sunshine and, uh, and go shopping unless somebody takes them. And uh, that, that's a ministry that the body possesses. It's a wonderful ministry. And it helps us uh, to, along the way. And uh, he who leads with, um, uh, he who gives uh, with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You know, there, there's, there are diff- these different ministries, and some have the ministry and the gift of leadership. And he should do it with diligence. We should do all these things in the body of Christ with diligence and with cheerfulness. And God will make you more of a blessing than you think. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Abhor it. And cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love and in honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Uh, be of the same mind to one, to one to another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinions. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for, uh, for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, 
live peaceably with all men. That's not always as easy as reading it in the Bible. It takes effort, and it takes generosity, and it takes cheerfulness to live at peace with all men. And uh, and God, that's the wonderful thing about the body of Christ. Uh, God shows us just how we should go about these things. He opens the way. I think I told you once before, but uh, I'll, I would just to illustrate this point. Uh, a man and a lady came to our door one day, and and uh, she said, um, "We're going to start a Bible study in your neighborhood, and uh, we'd like to know if you're interested." And uh, uh, she said that a lot of people don't understand the Bible, and they don't know how to obtain eternal life. And she went on and explained this. And I said, it just popped into my mind. I said, do you have eternal life? Well, I hope to be one of the chosen ones. You know, I don't know why I never thought of it. But they were on their way out. <laughs> but when, uh, when I asked her that, and she couldn't give me a sensible answer. And I, I thought, why didn't I think? Please, quote to me John 3.16. I don't know if she could have done it. They, they've got their little doctrines around certain portions of Scripture and, and explain it uh, their way and so on. And oftentimes, I, 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 by this time I knew <laughs> what group she represented. And, uh, and they left quickly. Oh, I'd like to have told her I have eternal life. It's free. All you do is ask. And just make room within yourself and God will come in and fill you with his presence. And with his love. And with his joy. That's the first thing I noticed. Our Sunday school teacher asked us, boys, do you want to get saved? Would you like to accept Jesus? We all said, sure. And he said, well, let's get on our knees. And he led us in a simple prayer. And there was such a smoothness in my heart that I can feel right now. A peacefulness. And a touch of heaven that I never knew before. I was only eight years old, but I knew what happened. There was a transformation that had taken place. My conscience came to life. <laughs> Whenever we got into mischief, something down here said, no, 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 no. You're going the wrong direction, sonny. You better pay attention. And, uh, and it's, it's so wonderful, the, the transformation that takes place. That's, that's wonderful. That's excellence of experience when Jesus comes into your heart. And over in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, I'd like to read a little more there about the body of Christ. And, uh, and then going on into the 13th chapter. There are diversities of gifts. Uh, verse 4. Um, 
And but the same spirit, he manifests himself through the gifts of the spirit to people that are being ministered to. Uh, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. We need the same spirit. I, if I'd have gone to those Bible studies, I wouldn't have received anything. <laughs> Maybe I'd have been able to help them. But uh, because there, there wasn't the same spirit flowing. But we do these things by the same spirit. Uh, so, and the, the, the eye cannot, uh, uh, but now, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, sorry. <laughs> uh, the ministries, but, but the Lord, there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one of us for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge uh, through the same Spirit. I've seen people that claim to have uh, the word of knowledge uh, sometimes on the, but it, it just didn't seem to fit. <laughs> I think you know what I mean on television and radio broadcasts and uh, they, they claim that they know somebody there that's got something on a headache or a, or a sore ankle or, or something. And, and, uh, and anyway, the genuine working of the word of knowledge works in many, many wonderful ways. I remember we had a man years ago, uh, we had a, a camp meeting the, uh, uh, in the denomination that we belonged to um, at Watrous. And this, this fellow was teaching on the um, different gifts. And I often wondered about this. Uh, this gift of the word of knowledge. And he was explaining how it worked. And, uh, and he had that experience. And, and it was wonderful uh, how God led him. And uh, he said one day, he, he, some, the Spirit of God spoke to him and gave him the knowledge what his son was up to out on the street. <laughs> and, uh, and he said God spoke to him just as clearly as could be in his heart and in his mind. So when his son came home, uh, son, he said, uh, you know, and he said, there was this and this and this happened, and how did you know? <laughs> well, the Lord told me. They were able to deal with that, and he explained to his son, worldliness and things like this, all they do is rob you of the peace of God. And, uh, and that, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift. All these gifts are precious and very valuable and very, very, um, useful 
to the members of the body in your ministry. Your gifts may be different than the next person's, but they're all part of this list that is given here. And so, but um, it, it's all worked by the one and the same Spirit, uh, all things distributing to each one individually as he wills, the Spirit of God. For the body is one and hath many members, but all the members have not uh, of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. When this teaching began to be emphasized uh, 60 some years ago, I, I thought, you know, I've read all about that. Uh, the body of Christ, yeah, that's the church and all this. And, and uh, I thought, why do they keep talking about that? <laughs> you know? um, and we know this. And then one day, the reality of it really got through my thick skull. And my heart was overjoyed. Then I realized that this is the letter of the word, but the experience that we have today of entering into that, uh, that wonderful experience of receiving gifts of the Holy Spirit and seeing them begin to operate and help you in your ministry. Then it struck a fire within my soul, and it became a reality. Theory is wonderful. I guess you need to know the theory first in order to get right through to the total reality of it. And, uh, and then uh, I was thinking about, about Jacob... Jacob believed in God, even though he he was a bit of a rascal, <laughs> and he he done his brother out of the blessing uh, by disguising himself. And his father blessed him and and prophesied to him. And he said afterwards, he was blessed, and he's going to be blessed. There's no two ways about it. Uh, and and in God's plan, that was all there. Uh, God had a very special thing to reveal. So it got so bad around there that his Jacob's mother said, you better get out of here. Uh, because I overheard your brother say that as soon as dad dies, he's going to kill you. So Jacob thought, well, he's a pretty good shot. He's a good hunter. <laughs> I better get out of here. He packed a little bit of what he had and and... And trudged off. No map, no streets, no flashlight. Probably not a whole lot of money either. There were no stores. <laughs> and they were few and far between. And he struck out for Uncle Laban. And his first night out in this wilderness, wild animals roaming around. Probably lions and different, different animals that... Uh, would love to have a young Jew, Jewish boy for dinner. <laughs> and uh, he, laid, he laid himself down and he went to sleep. And I, he must have had a jumble of thoughts going through his mind. And a sense of guilt. And yet a sense of possession of a blessing that he didn't have before. And he fell asleep. 
And lo and behold, God gave him a dream and spoke to him. And he saw angels ascending and descending from the heavens to the spot where he was. And what did he say when he woke up? He said, this is an awesome place I'm in. This is the house of God. Imagine that. Doesn't matter where you are. It can be the house of God. Hallelujah. You can be, I, and, and I'm sure you've all experienced this. You're driving along and you're singing something and, and you just feel so edified and blessed because the house of God is there. His presence makes it so. And he said, God lives in this place and I knew it not. And he poured oil on his stone pillow and, and, and sort of, and I think he gave it the name of, of uh, Bethel, wasn't, wasn't that where Bethel was? I should have read it before starting here. But he, he named it and, uh, and he returned there later on in his experience. What a wonderful thing. God gave him his eternal love and promise. And he said, I'll be with you. And the, uh, Jacob was so overwhelmed that even though all the, the, these events took place and, and he did what he did and so on, and here God is saying to him, and he was showed him, if it takes a ladder from heaven to earth, I'll be with you if you walk with me. Hallelujah. And he said immediately, he said, Lord, any money that I make, I'll give you one-tenth. <laughs> I thought to myself, boy, how did he know about tithing? I'll tell you why he knew, because tithing was something that was in place a long time before even Jacob was born. Uh, and people say, oh, I, I don't tithe, I give in the Spirit, uh, because tithing is part of the law. Well, uh, tithing was long before the law of Moses uh, was instituted. So, anyway, uh, these things are wonderful. And we love to read these uh, these events. And uh, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. You know, that should just make you feel so reverent. That's the way I often feel when the presence of God is so rich in our midst. And this whole camp, you almost, I, I almost feel like stopping and standing at attention as the Lord is ministering to us. Hallelujah. Jacob, the last person he thought he would ever see come and pay him a personal visit was God himself. And he wants to be that real to you and I. Reality broke through 
in all those wonderful things that his parents had taught him. And now he is experiencing for himself doing business with God, trading with God. Hallelujah. Right away, he was trading with God. He said, Lord, if you bless me, I'll give a tenth. And that's what he thought was, was fair at the time. And he lived up to it. And God did bless him until he was very, very rich. And, and so on. So th- this is wonderful. And anyway, I'm going to read more here. Not only Jacob's uh, wonderful experience, but now you are the body of Christ. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, um, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Isn't that a tremendous thing that's in the body? And many people have these things. Hallelujah. And I was so glad the way uh, the Lord restored the authority of these ministries. And they can say, thus saith the Lord. And lay a foundation for the church in the community. Oh, hallelujah. Never feel small because your crowd is small. But always look for opportunity to increase. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm going to have a little Bible study at our midweek service on winning souls to Christ. Sometimes that is very much neglected. I'm sure there were times when I could have just said to somebody that was asking questions, how about it? Would you like to know the Lord? Would you like to know that you have eternal life? That your name is written down with the hand of God in the book of life. In heaven and on your heart. Oh, hallelujah. I'm, I always feel good when people come to me and they say, you know, you're, what's different about you? What kind of religion do you have? What church do you belong to? You're different. I, I worked with a fellow on the gold mine in Yellowknife years ago. What are we doing here? Got a little time yet. Because the point I really want to make is still a little bit ahead. <laughs> so I'm making it last so you'll remember it easily. But um, he's, uh, I, they, they gave me a fellow to work with me, and I was uh, on the mucking crew shoveling up uh, the uh, what they blasted down and tramming it over on a little... Uh, car and uh, on a steel rail down to what we call the grizzly. You dump it down the grizzly, it goes down to the next level into tram, tram and then taken with a loki. And they hook all these cars together, take them to where the up and down cages, and skip it up to the surface and into the mill and so on. One time we came across a vein that 
tested out, assayed out to 300 ounces per ton. I have never, ever seen gold as rich as that before or since. In fact, there was a piece as big as my fist, and it was just full of veins of gold. And I put it in my lunch pail and took it home. And then <laughs> my conscience kicked in. <laughs> Brother Smith, you're a minister? And uh, this belongs to the mill. So I went back into my lunch pail, back, <laughs> and I threw it down the grizzly, which probably I shouldn't have done because that real rich gold, they separate it, and it goes through a special process because it's, it's so rich. But I'm sure there was several ounces of pure gold in that one piece. Wonderful. And... Uh, Anyway, the ship boss came to me one morning. We were waiting for our turn to go down the cage. And uh, he said, here's a new man. I'll send him with you. His name was Shorty. Shorty McCumber. Uh, Shorty was a different kind of person. <laughs> he, he, he had a vocabulary, but <laughs> there were more no-no type of words in it <laughs> than uh, should be. And uh, he, uh, he was telling me about all the good time he had when he was on his way up from where he lived. Uh, to, and he stopped over in Edmonton. And, and it's well, it, he did things that you don't mention in public. And uh, he thought, and then he told me some jokes, off-color jokes, you know, and all this. And about lunchtime, he said, what is it about you? Are you some kind of preacher or something? <laughs> and you say, you don't laugh at my jokes. I've never heard you cuss. And uh, you don't have any jokes in my style. <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. I'm a preacher. And I'm a Christian. And we have meetings just down the road from the mine here. Just about a half a mile or a mile. Uh, why don't you come? He said, I will. Well, Shorty, he tried the first time, didn't make it. <laughs> and anyway, uh, a week or two later, he showed up the first night. He thought, hey, this is real. You can have God in your heart and in your mind, we told him. So we led him in a simple sinner's prayer. And I'll never forget the day he, we told him about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, he got so blessed, he was walking around, hugging himself. He says, holy cats, wasn't that good? <laughs> he still <laughs> took him a little while to learn a little better English. And uh, he, he told some of his friends down in the, in the bunkhouse, they were trying to quit smoking and Oh, I said, you guys don't know what you're talking about. I had the same problem. I got on my knees and I prayed like the devil. And he said, oh, the Lord delivered me. <laughs> I wondered if I should tell it just like that. But what he meant was he prayed with sincerity. And God listens to people that call upon him in sincerity. And we've got to call on him a little more in sincerity. 
so that we get closer to Him. And these gifts work more and more in the church. Hallelujah. I went to my uh, home church in Vancouver one time and, and there was a big prayer room about the size that we have here. By the way, there's lots of room in there. And uh, so after the Sunday night service, people were invited to go into the prayer. Well, there was a lineup. Man, alive. By the time I got in there, there was no room to kneel down. Fifteen minutes later, the place was nearly empty. So I went down the street where we often went for a, a waffle and ice cream. Well... <laughs> There was no praying going on, but there were a lot of people from the service sitting in there enjoying their waffles and ice cream. <laughs> well, that's okay. But you know, if we really hungered and thirsted after the things of God, we'd get farther. And there'd be more people wanting to know what you have and how they can get it. I'll never forget when we first went to Korea, when I saw the sincerity on those people. The Spirit of God will... You know, I'm not saying this to brag. Don't get me wrong, please. I never had notes. And we ministered to crowds from seven people to three to ten. They told us 20,000 one day. And there's such inspiration. You know why? Because there was a lot of hungry people. And we couldn't help but prophesy to those people, God is going to bless your country. Keep on in this prayer. 4.30 in the morning, people gathered for prayer in the local church. Church bells would be ringing all over the city of Seoul. And Brother Ewald and I were walking once in a smaller city. Maybe it wasn't even a city, but a few thousand people. And we walked by a Buddhist temple. And there was a priest in there and he hit that gong. And oh, it sounded so spooky and so dead. And we were still half asleep. <laughs> but when we got to the church, the pastor had announced, these brothers are going to pray for everybody. And there was over a hundred people there. And what a noise! They were crying out to God, Lord, we want to be filled with the Spirit. Do you know how many got filled with the Spirit? About 125. And I don't think there were more than two or three hundred in the whole congregation. And this happened over and over and over again. One brother visited us, asked us to come to the little church where he was going to go. He said, they don't, none of them have the, the Holy Spirit. And they would like you to come and pray with them. So Brother Witter and I went up there. And uh, Brother Witter ministered and and uh, then it was my turn, and, and it was time to get praying. And uh, it was as dead as hay. <laughs> there was no life in there. And 
It was so dead, I said to Brother Earl, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, it just seemed, very, anything you said just seemed to hit you right back in the face. So, he said, well, we said we'd pray for them, let's pray for them. We started with the poor old pastor. He met us with his bicycle when we got off the bus. That was his mode of transportation. They were poor those days, I'm telling you. They were hard up. And uh, so we prayed for him. I felt so sorry for him. You might as well have laid your hands on a fence post. That poor man, nothing happened that we could see. Maybe a whole lot more happened. I think I did hear that later on the people all got praying for him and he got filled too. But there were 45 people there. And we thought, well, where are we going to start? And I noticed the organist. Tears streaming down her face and she was just crying out to the Lord. And her lips were kind of quivering. And we went over there. First we laid our hands on her. We, I think before we even got to her, she was praising God in a heavenly language that she couldn't understand. And her face was glowing with God's presence. And we went down one row after the other. I don't know if there were any other than the poor old pastor that, that didn't get that precious anointing. I'm going to tell you something. When God's people, that verse in Second Chronicles 7, 14, I think it is, or 14, 14, 7 and 14. If my people who are called by my name will depart from their wicked ways, or anyway, I'm not quoting it quite right, will seek my face and pray and depart from their evil ways. I will hear from heaven. Hallelujah. They had prayer mountains where they'd go for their vacation, usually one week out of the whole year. You know what they took? Nothing. Just a blanket. And, and there were no tents, uh, no buildings where you could seek refuge. Uh, actually, the, the place where we were in the young moon mountain. And uh, my, I, I, I was so blessed to see people in there. And that's what they went. They, Brother Hinchliffe and I were invited to spend a week they had four um, theological seminaries in that little place. That was the industry in this prayer mountain. And the, they all came. I don't know if everyone came from each one, but the, this, that place was packed, the auditorium. And my, how God blessed them. And, and uh, we said, you know, would it be possible for us to have an hour in that little compound. There was a little, uh, the walls were just higher than what the average man can look over. And uh, a little curved entrance and uh, a cement floor and stone walls. And 24 hours a day, 100, 365 days a year, somebody was on their knees in that place, an hour at a time. All, and they said, the rules are, 
If you go in there to pray, you do not pray for your uncles and aunts and your family and your your uh, financial problems or your job or anything of yourself. You must pray for Korea. We want God to visit Korea. Hallelujah. And uh, the first time, and we, we each, well, I think we only sp- split an hour, wasn't it, between us? Did you remember? If it was, anyway, we took the time they gave us. And, uh, you know, a spirit of intercession overtakes you. And you wait on God and you cry out to God the way they were. And I'll tell you, things happen. And uh, I, the first time we visited that place, we, we had gone afterward. We went many times. There'd be up to 10,000 people would gather. And uh, it was such a pleasure to visit and, and to minister to them because they just drank in what you had. And uh, they, uh, they showed me a little building not far from this compound where a person can prepare. They have to get there early so they can go in that building. And they, they had a kind of a prayer robe, like a choir robe that they put on and then go in that little compound. And uh, I looked in the window, and there was a young lady. I couldn't resist. I took a picture of her. <laughs> Tears streaming down her face, crying out to God to bless their country. They were still recovering from the wars that went right through Korea. And the North Koreans were always threatening. They had guards on every bridge. Men with shotguns in front of every bank. And, you know, this was uh, wartime. But that didn't dull their spirit. All you had to do to see people get moved on, you start talking about how God works in the ministry of intercession. And I said, one day I said, God puts intercessors in every congregation. And you look down and as soon as you talked about intercession, you could see tears streaming down some of their faces. Hallelujah. I took my tape recorder and walked up the, uh, uh, the mountain. There are this big prayer mountain where people would come for a week or so. And we were having meetings there, and uh, I took in the, early in the morning and went up, and I saw people everywhere crying out to God. Some were singing, some were praying. And uh, I thought to myself, God's going to do something in this country. Well, I was there just uh, two years ago, two or three years ago, and... Uh, the the airport was a huge airport. It got too small, and they had to move it out farther. And there were 10,000 cars in 1975 when Brother Holt and I first went there. That was the car population for all of South Korea, 40 million people. And, uh, uh, and South Korea would fit into Alberta and probably Saskatchewan, too, 
four or five times. It wasn't a big country. And it's mountainous, too. And uh, anyway, uh, they, I, I just left my tape recorder turned on as I walked up the path. And these people were all over the place, under the trees, sitting on the stone, having a time of prayer at 6.30 in the morning before they went to the service after breakfast. And we need a little zeal. Brother and Sister Choi used to come here. They're getting old and he, he's just a little too feeble to travel now. Brother Choi was a professor from the University of Alberta in chemistry. And uh, he, uh, uh, they would come and they, they had some friends coming that were going to Toronto to minister to a Korean church there. And they said, you've got to come to North Battleford. And the, men, the brethren there, we'll ask them, they'll lay their hands on you and pray for you. So they said, would you please pray for our friends here? Uh, and they explained what they were going to do. And so we invited them up to the platform and, and we laid hands on them. And uh, there were some prophecies went over. A wonderful anointing came on them. After the meeting was over, Brother Choi said, Brother Smith, do you think it would be all right if we stayed in the prayer room all night tonight? We want to pray all night. And I said, oh, yes, that would be fun. So they did. You know, that spoke to me. We need to call on God. But this is what I really wanted to read. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all uh, interpret? And, of course, the answer is no, but some do in all these wonderful things. Praise God. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. God believes in excellence. In other words, do your utmost. If you have a burden on your heart and or a problem or something, this is what our prayer room is for. Don't be afraid to come and spend two or three hours in prayer. Bring a blanket with you. It might be a little cold. As a matter of fact, in the wintertime, that floor can be heated. You can be nice and comfortable when it's cold outside. Uh, but I've often come here in the morning and every once in a while some other people would come and stay for a little while and then uh, they'd go about the, the chores that they had to do. But I want to exhort you folks, if you need something from God, don't be afraid to ask. If it's according to his will, and he'll answer you if it is, and he'll give you what your heart's desire is, but he wants to be sure he can trust you with it. You know, your dad didn't give you the keys to the car the first time you brought it home. I was uh, about 15 years old when uh, the first time 
dad ever trusted me with a car. He said, Murph, back the car up here. And I don't know if he wasn't looking or, or what, but I backed it up. I started it and put it in gear and backed up, and all of a sudden I heard a terrible crash. There was a five-gallon pail full of bottles sitting there, and I didn't look first to see where I was going to be backing if there was anything in the way. Well, he didn't ball me out, but uh, I didn't get the keys for quite a while after that to do anything. Well, God wants to know that the investment that he makes in uh, the hearts of his people will bring them to more excellence. Hallelujah. He doesn't give us toys. He gives us gifts that have power, that can change lives, that can change the eternal destination of our friends. Hallelujah. So that we can be effective and we can make a difference. I was telling somebody this morning, we were just kind of talking about different things, and I I said, you know, we were... In, in, in the prison ministry quite a bit in Edmonton and uh, uh, the, the, we got uh, quite a few of the prisoners accepted the Lord and one fellow, we even baptized him we didn't, but the, the chaplain did in a horse trough we brought in to the chapel they didn't have as something that you could baptize a person in so they baptized him there so that he'd, uh, he'd secure, felt more secure of his salvation but one fellow, he was a great big guy with his beard and so on. And uh, he was telling us how he was going to receive Christ. And he said, I got in my chair and I hung on. And he said, then I prayed that sinner's prayer. And uh, and the Lord was working in his, his life. And I was going to go overseas. And uh, and I, I asked the chaplain, I said, you know, I'd appreciate it. Some of these fellows had gathered around and just lay their hand on me and pray that God will be with us on our next trip. Oh, sure. And uh, they brought them, uh, the, whoever wanted to come. And this big biker come along. <laughs> he had his hand on me. And all of a sudden his hand started shaking. <laughs> and I thought, he's, he's wondering what's going on, why he's shaking like that. But I know what it is. The Spirit of God. This fellow had committed murder. Oh, God's love is without measure. It's wider, that little chorus we used to sing, wide, wide is the ocean, deep, deep is the sea. High, high is the heavens above. His love for me. Hallelujah. God, help us to find that more excellent way. There is no need for us to have dryness in our soul if we just call on the Lord a little bit. Oh, I'd be so happy if I came in here, not me alone, anybody, and I found 50 or so people in there praying before the day started. That would be wonderful. Hallelujah. Well... I think I've probably plattered on long enough here. But there is a more excellent way. When you get saved, that is the most wonderful experience 
you'll ever have along that line. But there's something more excellent. You can be you must be baptized in water. We baptized a lot of our young people one time. We had quite a few that hadn't been baptized in Edmonton, so we borrowed the use of a Baptist church. And they had a nice big baptistry, and there were about 25 or 30 uh, young people, and boy, they came. We told them, when you come out of the water, expect the Holy Spirit to come upon you and go ahead and talk to God in that heavenly language. And our daughter, Karen, she was baptized together with her cousin, and uh, they, uh, she said it was just like a light went on when I came up out of the water and she's been she was baptized with water and the Holy Spirit too and I was so glad for that and uh, the, the janitor said that the, the, the tubs overflowed a little bit and and caused a little damage in the ceiling down there but the janitor didn't mind he said you know I never knew you'd have that we thought maybe there'd be only one or two that were being baptized he said, this is like something right out of the Bible. <laughs> I was really pleased to hear him say that. Hallelujah. Seek God for that excellence in your life. I told you about the young fellow that was the gymnast and he, he, he broke his, he fractured his leg in practice, but he went through his routine anyway. And when he landed, he held his balance for those few seconds just before his leg crumpled in a very grotesque fashion and excruciatingly painful. And he got a 10. Nobody had a 10 before in that particular routine that he performed. They'd have eights and nines and whatever. He got a 10. And after he got his 10 and the gold medal, others started to get the same score. They just worked a little harder. And somebody was interviewing them years later and they said, I heard about what happened to you. How is it? How's your leg? Oh, he said, the pain is gone. But I still have the gold. I like that story. You may go through painful things and struggles. But the love of God will carry you through. Peter said to Jesus, How many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? And Jesus looked at Peter. Peter, 70 times seven. And uh, I think Peter swallowed twice when he heard that. Love each other. That's how we love God. And if you can't work up enough love, you can't either. God will give you all you can stand. And you'll know and you'll find it easy to love your brother and sister. Because that's how we love God. And that's how we partake of God. You know what the Bible says about love? It says, love is God. Oh, no, God is love. Sorry. <laughs> God is love. 
And the more love I express, the more of God I can express. Hallelujah. God bless you. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.